Hi, I'm James McGuire, and on today's eSpeaks, we're talking about ransomware and ransomware attacks, how to handle them, how to not handle them. And what about ransomware insurance? What's the deal with that? To discuss all that, I'm joined by a major industry expert. With me is Richard Rogerson, Chief Executive Officer of Packet Labs. Richard, very good to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity. Sure. So I know a lot of people know what Packet Labs does. Can you explain to us what, what, what does your company do briefly? Sure. So um, I head up a company called Packet Labs. And what we do is we deliver on penetration testing. And what that is, is we get hired by companies to attempt to break into them and understand where they're weak. So what we'll do is we'll actually launch cyber attacks against the companies who hire us to help outline where they're weak and what vulnerabilities are in their networks. And of course, the priority which they should remediate them. That's really interesting. I'm sure obviously there's a huge market for that. And I thought it was interesting when you and I talked before, you, you, you talk about hiring, hiring personnel and you put them through quite a rigorous hiring process. Can you talk a little about that and, and why that's important? Absolutely. So the hiring process that we have, we actually put our staff through a rigorous 24-hour evaluation. And what that is, is it's um, a lab environment where they connect into over a VPN, and they're given 24 hours to, to, to demonstrate, can they break into systems? And this is really the, you know, the rubber meeting the road of what can you do and how far can you get? You know, a lot of times what happens in pen testing is you can find certain, discover certain vulnerabilities, but to actually drill deeper into them, you need to have the passion. And those who are willing and you know, excited by the, the concept of a 24-hour challenge, um, they are the ones who are finding those vulnerabilities that may have gone unnoticed. The ones that you know keep us up at night or land in the newspaper. They're the vulnerabilities that cause the critical data breaches. And um, we find that having a certain threshold of uh, caliber of staff, having a designation that is the 24-hour exam, it really helps us you know, stay up with the attackers and the motivations they have as well. It helps us vet and make sure that the people we have on staff are incredibly passionate about what they do. Because it's so easy to throw in the towel and say, you know, I ran whatever, you know, vulnerability scan, and here's the results. But it's the folks that are willing to grind through a 24-hour challenge from 7 a.m. to 7 a.m. in which sleep is completely optional to be able to demonstrate what vulnerabilities they can find in client networks. And that really uh, has a, a tremendous differentiator from you know a reporting perspective we find things and we, we ask this, we ask these questions all the time from our clients how in the world did you find this you know we've had other firms that have come in and done assessments but they missed that finding why did you find it and they didn't and it comes down to the passion and making sure that we're evaluating staff at that level and one of the other pieces that is very critical is we have this uh, core value on our, our team it's no egos ever mm. and it's it's mm -hmm. very hard in our industry because it's, you can get you know very far with you know um, having an inflated value of you know what you think you can find, but what it comes down to is the people who are willing to ask the questions to learn more and dig deeper, they find way more vulnerabilities versus the ones that come to the door and say there's nothing more to find. I know what I know. They're not going to learn any more. They're not going to be able to keep up. Mm -hmm. You can't rest on your laurels, especially in um, this type of an industry. It's ever-changing. Every single day, there's a new vulnerability that comes up. And we need to constantly be looking and exploring and learning more about those things because they're constantly changing. And you just can't stay up with them if you don't. Sure. I mean, I totally understand that because there, there's so much at stake and some of the you know, confidential information, the cybersecurity you know, wall, so to speak, that's it's, it's really sacred to many companies, of course, because they're protecting their really the, the, corporate, the corporate jewels. 
What about the, the issue of, of, of ransomware? And obviously we hear so much about ransomware these, these past few years, so many headlines. Uh, what do you advise companies in particular? And, and what about the idea of insurance? Because I know that, that, that providers will, will offer ransomware insurance, but it's a very difficult thing. What, 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 are, what are your advice here? Yeah, so the, the question of insurance or not insurance is always a difficult one, but I think it all comes down to you know understanding that security is really made up of layers and it's really looking at things from different perspectives and making sure you have coverage. So having insurance coverage, it used to be as you know, the, the simple question of have you been breached and how many employees do you have? And that's how mm-hmm. the cyber insurance providers were kind of doing that check. Well, now it's a five page double-sided question and answer, multiple choice, and it just keeps going. There's a lot of controls they're looking at. And the the problem with it is that in cyber, they don't have actuarial data as if they were an auto insurance. You know, in the right. auto insurance industry, they know a Honda Civic will get a collision a certain amount of frequency. The passengers will have a certain frequency of injury decades, and all these things. Decades of data on some of that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Whereas in cyber, it was almost like they were writing the blank check. You know, how many employees do you have and have you ever been breached? And we've kind of gotten to the sticky situation where the insurance providers, not all of them, but some of them were actually preferring to pay out the ransom than to restore from backup or mm. to restore uh, otherwise, because it's mm. more expensive to do the full rebuild from the ground up than it would be to pay uh, out the ransom. And the, op- the ransomware operators know this. And so they're setting their prices almost like an appraisal when they get into oh. a client network. Wow. This is how much it's worth to restore versus this is how much we can get off this particular mm. individual. Mm-hmm. So they kind of do that check. And the insurance providers, they used to do that check to say, what's what's more affordable? Are we going to pay out the ransom or are we going to pay to restore? And this this question is obviously it's fueled a, ra- a wave of ransomware where we've had an enormous um, ramp of ransomware where you pay it a ransom, you're basically allowing or funding the next wave, the next attacker that's targeting the next business. Um, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of companies, they struggle with how do you solve this problem? Do you wait to get hit or do you buy insurance? And it's always a tricky thing. But what it comes down to is you have to drill into your network and understand your network from an attacker's perspective. You have to think like an attacker in order to understand what they'll be doing in your network to know what controls you should have in place back to the kind of the onion concept. Mm-hmm. What about, um, you also mentioned something about sometimes the, the, the attackers themselves will, will threaten to tell the SEC about, about a breach, and it's, it's a really a very exploitive, very cynical strategy. But what are the details on that one? Yeah, so basically there's been some evolution over the last little while where, you know, there used to be this concept of to pay the ransom or to not. Now the FBI has come out and said, don't pay the ransom. And if you do, let us know. Now, this keeps going, and the ransomware operators are saying, well, if I don't have a guaranteed payout, how do I, how can I ensure that they're going to pay? Well, now they're getting to the next level of extortion. Mm-hmm. But in the initial stages, what they were doing is they would get into a client network, and they would say, these are your crown jewels. So they send them back to the, the company that was compromised and say, I have a copy of this. I'm going to leak it on the web. And they get the timer that ticks down that really induces stress and anxiety and a whole bunch of other things. Right. Um, now... If that doesn't work, the other angle is now the SEC has imposed this mandatory breach obligation. So within a short period of time, you have to uh, notify the SEC that a breach has occurred. And if you don't do it, well, obviously it opens the window for the attackers. And what we've seen recently in the news is the attackers have actually filed a submission to the SEC, notifying them of a data breach, sharing the breached client's information and 
triggering the process uh, for the SEC to do the investigation. And that comes with fines of its own. So they're almost playing this game of, you know, you know uh, cat and mouse, you know, mm. what are the things that I can do to get money out of you? And there's obviously different approaches they can take. And this is just one of them. That is a, that is nasty business. No doubt. We need to protect ourselves from those folks. No doubt about it. Um, well, all right. So, so regarding ransomware, Packet Labs does offer a ransomware uh, protection product, right? What, what, how does that serve customers? Really? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what we offer is is called a ransomware pen test, and what that is is we're actually trying to break into the client network who hires us, not just random on the internet. And at that, once we get into that client, we're going to then follow the same steps that a ransomware operator would follow. So it's not to say that we would go in and encrypt the client's network. That's not the case. But we what we want to do is demonstrate phishing email into the company, getting onto a end user device, laptop, workstation, server, what have you. And then how do you move laterally to the other systems to get to what we would call the crown jewels? At that point, what we'll actually do is demonstrate on, on the desktop, we'll create a folder, put a bunch of fake files, because there's files on there, and demonstrate that we can encrypt those with um, our own malware. So the purpose of this is to demonstrate that we're hooking an encryption routine to encrypt the drive or the folder the antivirus itself, the actual controls that are on that server should be catching some of those things. So what we're doing along the way is we're trying to trip all of the little alarm bells along the way to get to the final um, trigger where you would pull and, and deploy ransomware. And what we're doing is we're showing them all of the different opportunities that they could have detected us. Moreover, we're actually drilling in to say, these are the different types of ransomware and how they move laterally throughout the, your network and the different tactics they would employ. How do you measure up against those? Do you have the right controls? Are there gaps? What are the things that you should be considering? Because a lot of IT professionals and security professionals, they love tools and we deploy all these tools and they're, they're great and they, they, they have their purpose, but it's the processes that we really need to drive home. We need to make sure that we're doing the right things mm -hmm. and we have the technologies configured the right way, but it's not just technology silver bullets anymore. Like we don't have that. That's not in our back pocket. We definitely have to do a whole lot of things at once. And, when you go through and test yourself with a pen test, you get to demonstrate whether or not someone could break in and you get to learn what they did and how they did it. And as well, compared to your security operations team, what should we have seen that would have detected this type of a breach? What were the alarm bells along the way that should have been triggered? And how quick was our response? And that definitely helps the client understand how vulnerable are we to an attack? What is the impact of a breach? And what should we do, be doing in, in the next couple of years to really shore up on our defenses? Mm -hmm. Well, so that really means that when you start to work with a client, uh, they may be pretty surprised because you, in essence, are saying, here's how a, an anonymous hacker could get into your network, could, could, could penetrate your perimeter. So I, I would imagine some of the clients are pretty surprised. Oh, we had no idea we were that vulnerable to attack. Absolutely. And we've had several clients that we've been in their networks for weeks before they've detected us. And then we have it where we'll actually escalate our actions to make it so we get noisy enough to get caught. And then what we'll do is we'll share backwards all of the things that we did and as well the detection opportunities that they would have had to be able to catch us much quicker. Hmm. So we do want to get caught eventually in our assessments because we're doing this you know, to help improve security. Sure. And as well, we're trying to outline all of the potential gaps that may exist because we all go and deploy technologies, but again, we don't know if they're enough unless we get breached or we bring in someone to simulate a breach, which is what a pen test delivers on. Right. 
Well, I think the, the big question is the, the future of cybersecurity and ransomware, because many companies want to be doing what they can now to get ready for that in the future. So as close as you are to the market, I mean, what do you see? What, what do you predict for the future of ransomware and cybersecurity a, a couple years out, two, three, four years out? What, what, what's going to be going on and how can companies get ready for that now? Yeah, great question. So the future of ransomware, I think it's definitely going to be on the rise. You know, we're already seeing um, a remarkable uptick in ransomware and the amount of attacks that we're seeing, as well as amount of clients who are being impacted by ransomware. And I think that's going, that trend is going to continue. The whole, uh, you know, cash for data kind of thing, um, it's going to continue to uh, persist. But what clients need, or which customers really need to be looking at is, how do we make sure that our, our network is secure? How do we test but verify that we have the right controls in place? And a lot of that comes down to, you know, going through a simulated exercise to understand what you would do in a breach. Sometimes it ends up being a tabletop exercise. Sometimes it ends up being like a red team style exercise to demonstrate hands on keyboard. How far could you get? Could you get to the crown jewels? How would that happen? What should we have done? Answering a lot of those questions. Um, and I think that's going to continue um, to build. Um, and we're still going to have this cat and mouse game of, is our antivirus capable of detecting? But you always need to test and verify. And it, mm -hmm. I think a lot of the attacks that we've seen over the past few years, as well to forecast the future, they all pry on the human element. We're all humans by nature. We all have um, you know, the, the desire to do the right thing to help the urgent case that comes up over email, the boss that needs the, the gift cards sure. and all these sorts of things. Right. So what it comes down to, we have to train our people. That's going to continue to be a common theme is the people end up being the weakest link. Isn't, isn't that the truth? I mean, the people who put their password on a sticky and, 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 and tape it to their, their, their PC, that, they might be part of the problem. But at any rate, I mean, do you think there'll come a time where ransomware is is largely obsolete because companies of a certain stature, companies that can really afford it, can at least really get to a level of cybersecurity where ransomware is a thing of the past, or or not necessarily? I don't know. Like I, I kind of look at some of the the data breaches that we've seen. You know, if you look back at MGM, MGM has a tremendous security budget, and they you know they. Um, they were breached through someone calling into the call center. So mm. it comes down to the human element. If you have a number of security controls, but if you're not testing and verifying and having all of these other uh, processes in place, it's, it's very easy to continue to have those mistakes happen. Even with the most secure companies, the human element is still there. Mm -hmm. um, one of the operators called Lapsus, what they were doing is actually offering a significant bounty to anybody who would give them keys to the, the kingdom, right? Like if anybody mm. can give them VPN access or credentials into a network, you know, pay to play. Mm. You think about, you know, the opportunities mm. they may have there. Well, here's 10, 20, $30,000. If you just give me your, your password, right? Who knows how you got it. So it ends up being quite brutal um, from that perspective, but you know, we're going to continue to have the human element as far as the vulnerabilities go. And as well as in the technical landscape, there's going to continue to be vulnerabilities that are there. So I don't know that, um, there's any anything outside of very, like going through an exercise consistently to really um, prepare your team for this type of an incident. It's going to continue to be a common theme that everybody needs to always test but verify. Sort of like the whole fire drill thing. Like mm -hmm. in, in the early days when we didn't have a, a run a fire drill to make sure that everybody gathers in the right place of the parking lot, it was chaos. We didn't know what doors to go out. We didn't you know know what to do. But when you go through the process and you go through the structure of making sure that everybody does know and running 
simulated drills to see what they do and make sure they're doing the right thing, then you have an opportunity to help reduce the potential for anything like this happening. And that's what you know, a pen test would do as well. Important stuff to be sure. Uh, Richard, I think you said it, a lot of good material. I definitely learned quite a bit. Uh, thank you so much for sharing expertise and please come back and talk with us again sometime. Thank you, it'd be my pleasure.